of today. This is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to Reform This your faithful uh, American Muslim patriot here to help you bridge the divides between the most controversial areas that uh, um, are the talk of the day related to radical Islam, the war against ISIS, and the reform, the deep reforms necessary. When we left off, uh, I said I was going to come back and talk to you about the political season, but there, there's one issue I want to talk about today uh, briefly, and you know, there's the the anti-Israel, um, anti-Semitic movement in America, the radical Islamists, if you will, uh, have been pushing a movement called BDS, which is about boycotting Israel. And um, there's been a lot written about uh, the uh, deep Islamist connections of the Palestinian movements related to Hamas that have fed that. But what I want to talk about is the, the boycott efforts, not against Israel, but in the conflict in Syria, one of the primary mechanisms I think that American Muslims should use is not to boycott companies that are Western or American as crazy movements like BDS try to do, but something I've called for for years in the Muslim community is to do local and national boycotts of organizations businesses that fund or fuel radical Islam. And there are some organizations that are beginning to look at the, the, the connections of American money to radical Islam and that we should begin to boycott that. And I think all politics starts locally. So next time you talk to your Muslim friends, ask them if they know the political and financial connections of the local Muslim, Arabic, Iranian, Pakistani businesses. Ask them if they know if they have any connections to Ikhwan al-Muslimin, the Muslim Brotherhood, to Hamas, to uh, Bashar al-Assad and the Syrian government, to Hassan Nasrullah and Hezbollah, to Iran. And now that the sanctions have been lifted on Iran, that even becomes more important. So... I use this as an example because here locally in Phoenix there has been a, a controversial oh, tempest, if you will, that has, I say finally, because uh, I have been calling for a boycott of this local uh, grocery store that is probably one of the largest uh, Middle Eastern stores here in Arizona. It's called Bay's Market. And Bay's Market uh, owner is, uh, I believe, of Lebanese origin and is Shiite um, in his faith and that's inconsequential, but the bottom line is is we have known them to be longtime supporters of 
Hezbollah, and actually in their store, I remember the the only when one time I went there, there was a picture of Nasrullah hanging, and I knew that would be the last time I went there. Now later, as they saw the vast majority of Lebanese and Syrian that were going there, uh, did not look kindly on that, so they removed it. Well, there's a video that's been... Now, this was back in, I think, 2005, 2006, and I was trying to tell everyone I knew that they should not shop there and we should boycott this local business. And I was looked upon as somehow a Israeli stooge and that this was because I was so pro-Israel and that uh, uh, Hezbollah has, uh, um, is not a terrorist organization, uh, no different than Hamas is not, et cetera, et cetera, these un-American, I think, radical viewpoints that um, many in the Muslim community here defended that uh, upset me quite a bit. Fast forward, Syrian revolution starts in 2011, and now you have initially what I felt was not a sectarian war, but rather one against the Ba'athist, Assadist genocidal regime that then devolved into a Sunni versus Shia battle. And now you see Hezbollah sending tens of thousands of their soldiers into Syria to fight Iran, sending its revolutionary Republican Guard in to fight and bolster Assad, as Russia has also been helping them and give the Assad regime air support while it slaughters and kills over a half a million Sunnis or pushes them out as they've done into Europe with millions being exported in an attempt to ethnically cleanse Syria and shift the population demographics. And as a result, um, the Syrian Sunni population has been radicalized. You've seen a rise of ISIS. You've seen Jabhat al-Nusra and many, many factions of radical Islamist groups, uh, um, while they might be milder than ISIS, are still al-Qaeda and Muslim Brotherhood offshoots that are radicals that do not share our values. But having said that, uh, the supporters of the Assad regime are Hezbollah. Uh, as Assad uh, does not have enough troops to keep his power, even though he's got the money and the uh, military equipment to do so, including tanks and jets and helicopters in which he's dropping bombs on innocent neighborhoods. Hezbollah has sent thousands in, and a video surfaced just uh, a few weeks ago of Hassan Bey's, the brother of the owner of this store, uh, um, who was killed, according to this video, as a martyr, a martyr for jihad, the jihad against the Sunni devil that is in Syria. And this video is 15 to 20 minutes and is posted online. Uh, you can find it at my Facebook page and basically glorifies him and says that uh, the people he killed and he died in the way of God, etc. So... This, some people might find it controversial, but I do believe that the best way to demonstrate is not through war, but through protestation economically, through boycott. And sure enough, we've seen a lot of different social media uh, attempts here now locally to boycott, and it's coming usually from the Sunni community, to boycott that store. And I think it shows that as we get clarity to who our friends, who our allies, who our enemies are, um, oftentimes the, the root of conflicts can be 
waged not militarily, but best ideologically and economically. And we're starting to see this boycott against this store here locally. And I think that's a template that can be used across the nation. Understand where the stores, where the businesses in your town stand in regards to Assad, in regards to Hamas, in regards to ISIS and radical Islam. Ask them if they're with the Muslim reform movement and why not. And if they're ideologically not compatible with American ideas, then hold them accountable. Shop elsewhere. If they're with us, shop there. Encourage them. Make them profit from their um, acceptance of Western ideals. Uh, we do this all the time. We pick and choose the businesses that we work with based on um, various uh, values that we share or do not share. There's nothing wrong with that. It's very American and it's very free market. So hats off to the community for waking up. Now I'll say they woke up 10 years too late to this store, but I hope that template gets used elsewhere. So speaking of economic entanglements, with the selection this week of Senator Tim Kaine by Secretary Clinton, and former Senator Clinton, as her running mate, it was felt that he would bolster her national security credentials, that he would bring a previous governor, bring the state of Virginia, and other political machinations. But at the end of the day, there's a recent report put out by Clarion Project and Ryan Morrow, a, a wonderful counterterrorism analyst who's also a good friend, and Ryan lays out the worrisome connections, the Islamist ties of Senator Tim Kaine. Now, um, some have already criticized that this is uh, uh, just much to do about nothing. But the bottom line is, is uh, our American Islamic Forum for Democracy, as Ryan reported, had put out a protestation statement about Kaine's connections, that we called him out for his appointment of Isam Omesh to the Immigration Commission of Virginia, and that ultimately Omesh had to resign because it was exposed from the work of the Investigative Project on Terrorism and others of the deep connections of Isam to the Muslim American Society, which is basically the nervous system of the Muslim Brotherhood in the West, in America, his radical statements uh, condoning jihad, which then he apologetically said we're not violent jihad, but yet we're in defense of Hamas, Hezbollah, and other organizations. And his deep connections to the Islamic Society of North America, his uh, vice presidency of Dar al-Hujra Islamic Center, which was the Islamic Center which Imam Awlaki, who later became the notorious radicalizer of many of those, including the Fort Hood Islamist terrorist, uh, Nidal Hassan, who committed the act of horror at Fort Hood in November 5, 2009, in which he was radicalized at that mosque. Isam was tied to that mosque. And on and on, Omesh had connections to the Islamic American Society, I'm sorry, Islamic American University, which had Yusuf Qardawi, probably the, the global font of political Islam and the Muslim Brotherhood spiritual influencer, 
that uh, had been the chairman of its board at least until 2006. And Omesh was the chairman of the board of the Islamic Center of Passaic County in a New Jersey mosque with heavy terrorist ties and an imam that the Department of Homeland Security wanted to deport for having links to Hamas. And the concerning connections, Omesh praised the Hamas spiritual leader, our beloved Sheikh Ahmed Yassin in 2004, and a, and a videotape service in 2000 in which Omesh said, the jihad is the way to liberate your land. And he says he denied that had anything to do with violence. So, not only did he then resign, but I can't find any verbiage that Cain did a mea culpa and said he understood what was happening. He obviously didn't do any of his homework. But this wasn't where it ended. In 2011, Ryan further explains how Senator Kane, I'm sorry, Governor Kane at the time, spoke at a candidate's night dinner organized by the New Dominion PAC that presented a Life Achievement Award for Jamal Berzinji. Berzinji is described by many, including the Global Muslim Brotherhood Watch, as the founding father of the U.S. Muslim Brotherhood Network. And anyone who's done any research knows the deep connections of Berzinji to many of the organizations that were part of the Holy Land Foundation trial, unindicted co-conspirators from the trial of 2008. And he had his home searched in 2003 um, as uh, part of a counterterrorism operation. And Patrick Poole has described that Berzinji was nearly prosecuted, but the Obama Justice Department dropped plans for that indictment. And he was vice president of Triple IT, which is the International Institute of Islamic Thought. So, bottom line is that this is a central actor in the Muslim Brotherhood ideology and network. And this PAC had donated um, forty-three thousand to Kane's gubernatorial campaign. Barzinji himself, uh, um, his organization Triple IT, donated ten thousand dollars. And the PAC had tied to, to the Democratic Party, donating up to a quarter million um, donations with the Virginia Public Access Project. So Brzezinski's grandson served under Governor McAuliffe's administration and became the Obama administration liaison to the Muslim American community. So these connections are deep. And all I can tell you is that there's no evidence that Cain had done any research or that he really cared much about the deep Islamist connections of Omesh, Berzinji, Triple IT, the Islamic side of North America, Dar al-Hijra. And, you know, there were many opportunities. Uh, Congressman Frank Wolf in northeastern Virginia near Dar al-Hijra gave uh, multiple House floor speeches about this threat, about Dar al-Hijra, about uh, MAS, CARE, and the connections of these individuals. So the information's out there. But Senator Kane, and before that, Governor Kane refused to pay attention. So this is relevant. When you put that together with a, um, Secretary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation and its foreign entanglement with the Qatar Foundation and millions that are coming from petro-Islam that are obstructionists to reform, the writing is not good when it comes to these two candidates on their ability in the future to actually step up and identify radical Islam as the problem and reformists 
as the solution. Now, Hillary did recently say a few weeks ago, well, she doesn't care. She'll call it jihad. She'll call it radical Islam, but that won't solve anything. And as we discussed a couple episodes ago, it does begin to solve issues because we can then begin to identify the enemy and identify reformers and our allies within the House of Islam. When we come back, I want to give equal time and and talk about the Trump campaign's foreign entanglements. I'll be right back. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. Breaching the fault lines of today. The Blaze Radio Network.